Hello, and welcome to the Sound Nodes podcast with me, Barry Collins. If you're in a gigabit grade line, you'd be forgiven for thinking latency, which causes those annoying stutters in online gaming sessions or awkward pauses in video calls, should be a thing of the past. A new technology currently being trialled by Comcast means it finally might be. In this, the first of two Sound Nodes podcasts this month, I'll be talking to Comcast Vice President Jason Livingood about low latency doxis and the amazing results the company has recorded in its trials of their technology. Then, in our second podcast, I'll be chatting to Samno's lead integrations engineer, Ben Janoff, to find out how Samno's has updated its test to measure latency using a new metric developed by Apple called RPM. But before we hear from Jason, I asked Samno's CEO, Alex Salter, how the company, which is now part of Cisco, decides which internet tests it should work on. We saw that customers, actually end users, consumers, were becoming less concerned about speed and, um, and started looking at what might become a more popular or more dominant measurement that we could use to fill that gap. And at the same time, people were very focused on gaming performance. So obviously to improve gaming performance, uh, latency becomes a big factor. And, uh, and we've done a lot of work around the world to focus on latency performance. But then really that conversation became more sophisticated. And I think that was a consequence of ISPs looking at latency or how they could achieve lower latency in their networks, but also application developers really focusing on developing applications or use cases that require uh, a much lower latency for consumers to have a good experience. Can you give us any examples of applications that really demand that low latency you mentioned? We often see themes emerging where different communities that we interact with start talking about the same subject. At the time when latency became a very popular topic, people were also developing very low latency applications like VR headsets, for example. And, uh, and it was very interesting to see how the ISPs were approaching this problem from the point of view of gaming, but also the application developers were approaching this from the point of view of very latency-sensitive applications. That's something that we really pay attention to, because if we can see application developers and operators both looking at the same problem and consumers also looking at that problem as well, then that's a place that we want Samnos to be. So over now to Comcast Jason Livingood, I asked Jason why latency continues to be a problem on even gigabit-grade connections. Well, I think the, the short answer is that speed or capacity isn't the only factor in application quality of experience. Um, it's, it's not just speed or capacity. It's also latency or delay or lag, if you want to call it that. Mm -hmm. And if you think about perhaps video conferencing... Uh, early on in the pandemic, when people shifted to working from home, we had a lot of people doing upgrades to our 1 or 1.2 gig tier, and they certainly had plenty of capacity, not an issue, but they still had poor uh, Zoom or Teams or WebEx quality. And that was simply down to an issue of lag. And uh, that you know, generally arises out of buffering that's occurring someplace in the network where a buffer is too big and it's queuing up packets instead of sending them right away. And that can be okay for big downloads, but when it's real-time traffic, it's a problem. 
And as we've discussed with you previously, broadband providers have largely relied on differentiating themselves on download speed for the past 20 years. So is it hard as a company to justify an investment in improving latency when it's, it's I guess that's a much more difficult sell to your customers? I mean, certainly it is an educational issue that has to be overcome. A lot of customer awareness has to be created. However, I will say that you know, that you have some core segments of broadband users that I think are already fairly well sensitized to lag or delay. Certainly gamers, um, you know, often lag or delay is shown right in the corner of their screen when they're gaming. So they are very focused on it. Um, and especially high-end gamers, you know, really trying to find out, you know, every single way to eke out a few milliseconds here and there um, in their setups. And then, you know, folks that are working from home, you know, we think they're pretty well sensitized as well. And they've certainly experienced that and they know they might subscribe to the highest end tier that they can get in terms of capacity. Um, and yet they still have this lag issue. So those two segments, you know, generally are, are fairly well sensitized. They may not have, at least in the work from home segment, you know, quite the the language around it yet in terms of the definitions, uh, but they know it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and they know, you know, what it means. It just has to be sort of laid out more clearly for them. So tell us, how does low latency DOCSIS actually improve working latency? So low latency DOCSIS is an implementation of the ITF's L4S and NQB standards. So uh, low latency, low loss, scalable throughput, and um, non-Q building, um, which is not quite an RFC yet, but but soon. Um, the, the first one L4S already is. Um, and so it's an implementation of that. And and. It means uh, a couple of things. One, it means that there are two network queues at some really critical points of bottleneck um, or potential bottleneck in the DOCSIS network. So in the CMTS, the cable modem transmission system, termination system where the the cable modem is connecting, um, that device, that point of aggregation, has two network queues in the downstream direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the cable modem itself, which can just be a cable modem or can be a cable modem gateway where it's sort of a router um, in it as well, that also has two network queues in the upstream direction. And uh, and then in the Wi-Fi network, you know, there are actually some existing queues and we're using those in different ways. But in essence, the low latency DOCSIS standard implements these ITF standards in these two points of the DOCSIS network. And those two queues obviously function in very different ways. And uh, in particular, maybe the the easy way to to summarize the low latency queue is that it's a very shallow queue. Mm -hmm. And so it's not going to build up a big buffer of packets. It's going to forward those packets as soon as possible. Okay. But as I understand it, the, the sort of shorter low latency queue requires application developers to mark their traffic as latency sensitive. So how do you police that so that application developers don't just mark everything as sensitive to get it through as fast as possible? Right. Well, you know, I guess that's a good indicator of, you know, the first um, misunderstanding that a lot of developers and, and other folks have about this. It's not getting access to a faster you know, queue per se, where there's more capacity or more speed, it's just a more responsive queue, if you will, uh, with, you know, a shallower buffer. And so if you think about it from the perspective of the application developer, not every application will find that desirable. So if you are someone who is doing a big, say, background file download, think about a game update or an operating system update, 
you may want to build a very large queue so that you can try to maximize the capacity of the the link and the user isn't particularly time sensitive to whether that one gig download happens or 10 gig download happens in 10 seconds or or 10 minutes or you know one yeah. hour or something and so those applications it, it's wouldn't be desirable to use this queue because they wouldn't really be able to maximize the amount of throughput and um, you know there are a bunch of other aspects of the application experience that you know may suffer and so there should be an incentive you know if you will for them to not try to take advantage of this because it would harm their application experience at the same time there is this notion of queue protection which is built into the standard and and recommended um, that people implement where that network queue there, there's you know before these two network queues you've got a, sort of a, a policing function and if it sees flows that are obviously not matching the the proper pattern for low latency treatment um, it would protect that queue and, and shift that into the classic queue um, I think this seems very theoretical right now mm-hmm. um, you know it's hard to imagine I think we have a much bigger problem earlier on, which is getting enough applications to try to take advantage of this new capability. Um, and certainly there are a few, but you know that's where the, you know a lot of focus is going to be in the next year or two. And you mentioned a couple of types earlier, like video conferencing and gaming. Are those the, the primary targets for this or are there other applications that would benefit from this? Certainly. Uh, well, there are a wide, wide range of applications, but let's first talk about the initial use cases that you know are sort of highest return. You're definitely right. Um, online gaming and uh, video conferencing, you know, being those two chief applications. Um, I would say, though, within gaming, if we sort of double click on that one, there's probably a difference between typical sort of console gaming and the online component that goes along with that, Mm -hmm. whether that's sort of Xbox or PlayStation as an example. And what I would call more of like, you know, cloud native gaming, um, where it's, you know, truly cloud-based gaming. And this might be like um, the NVIDIA GeForce Now platform. Mm -hmm. They're one of our test partners. And I think for the the truly cloud-based type of game platforms, there's a bigger potential benefit. And we've certainly seen that in the trial so far, that uh, there's a big benefit there, which is exciting. Um, in terms of other applications, anything, you, you could certainly look at future applications and say, yes, obviously augmented reality and virtual reality will benefit. But ultimately, anything that's interactive, where a user is interacting um, with a screen or a mouse click or a voice remote or you know those kinds of voice ai assistants etc anything where the users interacting you know live with a computing device and, and the internet you know that potentially will benefit here um, so i think it's it's pretty widespread almost anything can benefit and there are probably fewer things that don't need more responsiveness than than the opposite are there any net neutrality issues here i.e prioritizing certain types of traffic no, I don't think so, but there's a caveat. So I published an internet draft at the ITF and we're talking with the transport area working group about you know whether that's an individual draft or a working group draft. And that specifies some recommendations around deployment design because ultimately you know, any standard um, can be implemented in, in a pretty wide variety of ways, some of which can be challenging and some of which can be totally fine from the standpoint of technology policy. And in this case, we've made clear that 
the way that this should properly be deployed is that the applications themselves are the only ones that should be doing the marking of their packets. Mm-hmm. And that really for an operator, a network operator means they shouldn't be trying to do some sort of DPI style box that is looking at traffic and trying to make inferences about what type of traffic it is and then trying to decide if it should get this special low latency queuing uh, treatment. And the reason is really, first, almost all of that in- traffic is encrypted. You know, 98% probably is encrypted. So you're really making um, a leap of faith here from uh, the standpoint of inference. Mm-hmm. Um, and while some of that is quite possible today um, at some level of accuracy, the problem is when you have a false positive and invariably that will happen and then some application may get really poor quality of experience. And we just don't think that that's worth the trouble um, or expense and complexity and the troubleshooting and it obviously can pose policy issues. So we've recommended against that and, and that's our deployment design doesn't do any of that. It's really depending upon, upon that application developer doing the marking. And then the other thing that um, we have had to do is really help explain to policymakers and regulators that low latency queuing and and this sort of L4S networking and so on isn't adding a higher level of priority or assigning a higher amount of capacity or speed. It's carrying packets at the same best effort level of priority, mm-hmm. and it's at the it's sharing the same overall bandwidth. And so it's not granting them more speed or priority. And so it, you know, I think immediately takes those net neutrality concerns off the table. You mentioned earlier that you're trialing this technology at the moment with your customers. What kind of improvements are you seeing so far? Yeah, you know, it's been great so far. We have um, quite a number of customers that are engaged in the trials and participating. It was the highest level of interest from a volunteer standpoint that we've seen for any of our prior trials, which um, surprised all of us, frankly. <laughs> um, but uh, we've been trialing since July. We we initially added employees in July and then customers in August. And so we've got, you know, a bit of data um, that we've collected so far, and it looks really good. As an example, we have our own QoE measurement agent that's embedded in our own gateways, our XB7s and XB8s. And those so far um, have shown a 50% reduction in um, latency or lag here. Um, so that's really great. We were really pleased to see that. And uh, you know, still tweaking that test, but you know, 50% reduction is, is pretty great. And in particular, it also reduces the jitter, the sort of variability of that delay, and makes it a lot you know, smoother, which is you know, much better for applications from their standpoint. If we look to things like some of our, our gaming partners and others, um, really some dramatic improvements there. So for example, our one cloud gaming partner, um, NVIDIA, we've seen reductions where lag would sometimes spike to over 225 milliseconds. And those lags have gone away largely, and those spikes are now on the order of like 10 milliseconds, 15 milliseconds, 20 milliseconds. So, you know, tremendous difference, um, you know, from, you know, let's call that roughly, you know, 10 or 20 milliseconds versus 200, you know, 225 milliseconds. Um, So, you know, really dramatic and um, makes a lot of those things more viable. One of our other partners, we've seen a 25% reduction in lag, and that game is uh, game platform is you know we're still hitting 
um, some sort of experimental or beta version. So, um, you know, we think there's more benefit to be had there. And then if we look at the Apple's measure of, uh, of responsiveness, their round trips per minute measure, which your platform, Sam Knows, has implemented mm-hmm. um, in a bunch of our, our units that we've got in the field right now, um, that you know early implementation on your platform has shown really good results. We've seen customers go from you know on the order of, let's say, 10 or 20 or 30 round trips per minute. Uh, maybe up to a hundred or so round trips per minute to, uh, you know, I'm just looking at the chart this morning, like between 1000 and 2400 round trips per minute. So, you know, dramatic, um, improvement there. And, you know, what's really cool about at least the Sam knows white boxes that we've got out there that have implemented this responsiveness test is that, you know, those are all controlled. So we know they're the exact same hardware, you know, unlike in the customer homes where there's a lot of variability there. So this is great measurement for us as well. If this trial proves successful, will consumers need to upgrade their router or client equipment to benefit from this? Or will the upgrades be performed at the network level? Um, they'll be performed at the network level. So for us, we have coupled our deployment um, to two things. One is the deployment of our virtual CMTS platform. Um, so it's a more, I would sort of say, a sort of cloud version of our CMTS, um, which allows us to do a lot of you know faster pace of innovation for features and so on. And then um, also in what we call our mid-split areas, those are areas that are getting more um, upstream network capacity. Uh, because of some changing uh, spectrum allocations in the network. So that's what's tied to our deployment. And we're probably over half of our network deployed on that, both of those um, technologies. So, you know, that, that'll that keep growing by, you know, tens of thousands of homes, um, you know, per week, uh, probably, you know, maybe 10 million homes passed every month. In the customer application space, the developers are the ones that really have to implement. So, I would say think of it as the network creating a foundation mm-hmm. for this to take place, but ultimately the app developer has to do the implementation. But we've seen really great, you know, interest there. You know, Apple's been really keen to implement it in FaceTime. They're another one of our partners. And so we've been testing with them. So, you know, they've turned this marking on. They talked about it at their worldwide developers conference recently. Um, and other app you know, providers are, are planning to implement or have implemented already. But that's the the key um, enabler going forward is the app developers. Given most devices connect via Wi-Fi, which is sort of renowned for creating latency issues, how much does low latency DOCSIS actually improve the overall picture for, for people connecting via Wi-Fi? Right. Well, for our um, for the users of our gateway, um, which are the XB7s and XB8s, those run a, a software platform called RDKB, uh, which is Resource Development Kit and B for Broadband. And that platform um, is sort of the operating system of our cable modem gateways, where that router or router and cable modem are combined into one unit. Mm-hmm. And that has a Wi-Fi radio. Um, and there are sort of two scenarios. One is where it's just that gateway device using it as the central access point, or there may be pods, you know, sort of distributed um, access points that can be distributed through the home, either via Ethernet backhaul or Wi-Fi backhaul. And so when we control the Wi-Fi, we, we've added to the trials this extra Wi-Fi you know, sort of quality testing, if you will. 
And in the Wi-Fi network, which is an 802.11 standard from IEEE, there are already multiple queues. So uh, you, you can think of it in the simplest form as best effort, voice, video, and background traffic. So they've sort of got these classifications already. And what we're doing, and this is recommended in in one of the ITF standards documents, is we're using one of those non-best effort queues in the Wi-Fi network segment. And so when the L4S traffic or the low latency traffic um, comes in or goes out, it's getting marked in uh, in, in the queue for video instead of best efforts. Right. So for us, it's a way um, to test whether using this other Wi-Fi queue provides some better performance inside the home. And we think it does. The early testing is indicating that it does. But you know that's one of those things we're sorting in the trial. Because you're right, Wi-Fi is almost always the core issue in a customer network. And there's a lot that they can do to optimize that. Um, certainly, as I said, one aspect is you know this L4S you know low latency queue that would go in a, a separate Wi-Fi queue, but it could also be just you know positioning their access point in a better spot in the house or adding distributed access points and connecting those over Ethernet. So as we've heard from Jason, it's not only broadband providers such as Comcast that are keen to reduce latency, but app developers and hardware manufacturers too. That, as Alex Salter explains, is one of the reasons why Sam Nose decided to devote resources to improving its own latency measurements. If we come across a situation where so many people are looking at a topic, that we know that that is going to be big. And that's where we will uh, clear space in our roadmap. We're, we're, we're a small team. We're now part of Cisco, obviously, so we have an enormous resources to draw upon. But when this started, we were still 50, 60 people. But it, but it was very clear to us that this was going to be a hot topic and something that we wanted to be in the center of. So we, so we cleared space in the roadmap and then, and then created a team to work on this that's headed by um, Ben, who I think you'll hear from in the second podcast. That's it from this podcast. But if you want to listen to the second podcast with Sam knows Ben Janoff that Alex mentioned, or you want to read the article accompanying these podcasts, head to samnose.com forward slash spotlight. Until next time, goodbye.